0: You are familiar with the author Beverly Cleary? Anyone? Okay, good, good. Um, when I was a little kid, my mom read me one of her books called Ramona, the Pest. I loved this book because I related so much to Ramona. Not not because I was a pest, no, no, but because she saw the world differently, and so did I. Okay. One of the stories in Ramona the Pest uh, was her first day of kindergarten. And I love how Cleary told the story about how Ramona was told by her kindergarten teacher, very first day, I want you to sit here for the present. Well, now Ramona, not knowing the various meanings of the word present, thinks that she's going to be given a gift by the end of the day for occupying that seat. So all day... The classmates got to play games and do group activities, but Ramona refused to budge, thinking that if she only sits still, she's going to get the present that she was promised. Well, you know what the teacher was actually telling her. For right now, for the present, you need to sit here. And so the humiliation of her misunderstanding that was was uh, kind of, insult to injury, as her hope now sank miserably into the reality that she had wasted the entire day and she wasn't going to get anything for it. Today, we are going to be talking about the hope that believers, that disciples have in our Lord. We're going to look at a couple of miraculous events in Acts chapter 9. And though these kind of stories, the stories of the miraculous, the stories of, hey, my mother-in-law has been healed or, or that job offer finally came through, though those stories do hold hope for many people, I also know that there are people out there who hear those stories and, and they have a different kind of response. Let me ask you, when you hear of miracles happening to other people, uh, do you get inspired? And are you rejoicing in those miracles, or do you get a little cynical, especially because you feel like you've been promised something that you didn't get? And like Ramona, you are now hopeless because you didn't get the present that you thought you were going to get. Now, understand this. As we go forward today, the reality is, as God works in this world. Amen? There are miracles. Miracles really do happen. By the end of this passage today, we're going to see two miracles happen. Uh, There's going to be a paralyzed man healed. There's going to be a dead woman brought back to life. And again, some people see that as very hope-filled stories. Some of you, I wonder, do you feel a disconnect when you hear stories like that? Because you know in your own life, bodies do break down and get sick. You have to go through chemo. And, and other treatments that just rack your body. People do die, even when we pray for them, and so they turn cynical. It's kind of like, it's kind of like VeggieTales. Now you're going, well, "What's VeggieTales?" Well, the VeggieTales was a, a cartoon that uh, showed kids Bible stories, and they were these. there's Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber, and Larry the Cucumber would sing silly songs. Um, after one episode before they got to the next episode. One silly song with Larry was the water buffalo song. And it went basically like this. Everybody's got a water buffalo. Yours is fast, but mine is slow. Where do we get them? I don't know. But everybody's got a water buffalo. And at that point... uh, At that point... Archibald, this very proper British asparagus, yes, an asparagus, he comes in and says, Stop! You can't say that everybody has a water buffalo when not everybody has a water buffalo. We're going to get nasty notes saying, Where's my buffalo? Why don't I have a buffalo? And are you prepared to deal with that? I don't think so. Stop being so silly. So I've heard people in life say, wait a second, you can't say that everybody gets a miracle when not everybody gets a miracle. Where's my miracle? Why did my mom die? Why did I lose my job? Why do my kids struggle so much? Ouch. If you find yourself more of a doubter this morning than a disciple, especially in this area, I want to know... I want you to know that this message is for you. I don't want you to tune out because you find these stories to be a disconnect for you. Don't tune out because you haven't seen a miracle in your life and you're not really sure that they happen. I I want to run to that fire today. I don't want to run from that fire because I believe as you actually look at these stories and others like it in the Bible that there's another way of perceiving What was going on in these miracles? You you know, if we're honest about it, even in the Bible, miracles are kind of few and far between. The reason that we would even use that term miracle is that miracles don't just happen. It's something out of the ordinary, right? It's not what usually happens. And in fact, there's this irony that, that the gal that was raised to life That there are ladies in her life that are shearing because she's been raised to life. But these ladies are widows themselves. Which tells me that yes, this lady was brought back to life. But who wasn't? Their husbands that had died. Why didn't God bring their husbands back from the dead? Why does this lady get to come back from the dead and not their husbands? You, You see that there's this tension now that we have to deal with. Uh, having a faith that says i know the miracles happen but i don't believe that they happen in every circumstance what is that about god that leads to cynicism i guess i guess i'm not good enough for god to perform a miracle for me well instead of going there i i want to encourage us to look at there might be an insight in scripture surrounding these events that might teach us where our focus needs to be as a disciple, where we're going to put our hope. So i want to explore the text a little bit and see where it, uh, it goes and teaches us. So we're in chapter 9. We're going to pick up the story in verse 32. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. And immediately Aeneas got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now the first thing I want you to understand is the effect of this miracle. It says that all the people saw how God had brought strength back to Aeneas's dead legs. And what did the people do? They turned to the Lord. In other words, the function of the healing was not so that Aeneas would have a comfortable life from that point on. The, the, The point of the miracle was not so that everybody else would bring sick people to Peter so that he would make them well. What Luke wants to highlight here was that the function of this miracle was that people would see God's power accompanying the message that Peter was bringing to them and they turned to the Lord. You see, that's the bottom line, turning to the Lord. Let's go on to the next event, picking it up in verse 36. In Joppa, we we travel from Lydda now to Joppa. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas. That's why I'm going to call her Tabitha, by the way. (laughs) Tabitha was always doing good, always helping the poor. And about that time, she became sick and she died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Now Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. So Peter went with him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them out, of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed, and turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up, and she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up, and he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet, and then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. All we know about Tabitha was that the church really depended upon her. She was doing good. She was looking after the poor. She was called a disciple, most likely, if she had an upper room, she had a big house, which would make her a prime candidate for being the one that would host the church there in Joppa. So when she died, the church is thinking, what are we, we going to do? Here's this pillar of our community, now gone. Boy, it would be a real encouragement to our church, Peter, if you would just come and help us out by bringing her back to life. So Peter comes and raises her from the dead, but... Not to the effect of, wow, the church is encouraged. Look at verse 42. This is, this is the end result. It said, this became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Are you catching a pattern there? Aeneas is healed, and people turn to the Lord. Tabitha is raised from the dead, and people are believing in the Lord. You see, folks, when we read of miracles, it's not just about the compassion These are not performed because somebody felt sorry for somebody else. These are not a promise of a rosy life guaranteed if you'll just come to believe in Jesus. There is something about miracles that we cannot ignore from Scripture. Something that we can observe even today. The point of miracles, folks, is not the miracle in itself. And if that's where we put our hope, if our hope is in getting the miracle... And we will always have our focus in the wrong place. The point of the miracle is what the miracle points to. And that's a power that can crush suffering and death and one day will. I want to take a really quick side trip this morning. I, I've told you that Acts is basically Luke book 2, right? Well, I want to go to Luke book 1, the gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Jesus is beginning his ministry, and this is what uh, Luke records for us in Luke 4.16. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the the eyes of all in the synagogues were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, "Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing." Now, what's going on here is this: Jesus is giving an explanation of the miracles to the people in his hometown. He was saying, "Guys, I know that you want me to come and perform some kind of dog and pony trick for you guys." But that's not what I'm all about. That's not why I'm here. I'm not just here to to be the hometown hero and do a miracle so that you're all impressed. He was saying that the miracles that the people of Nazareth had heard about were proof that his message was from God, that God's power was behind his message, validating it. And that message was this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' miracles were performed for one main reason, and that was to show that God was validating the fact that he was now accessible to his people because the kingdom was at hand. A relationship with God can be a reality if you'll just repent, surrender your life, get on board, turn to him. It wasn't just Jesus, though, that would perform miracles, With this message of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you'll skip forward to Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease, every affliction. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, proclaim as you go the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, Cast out demons. So, what was the purpose of the 12 being sent out? Was it to heal the sick? Was that the purpose? To cast out demons? Was that the purpose? No. The, the, those all accompanied the message, but the message was that God's kingdom is here amongst us right now. Yes, it's wonderful to think that Jesus cared about the sick, and he did. But it wasn't mere compassion that prompted miracles. It was to show that there was a power to the gospel message. Now, here's where things get sticky. Because some people will say, Well, Trey, I thought that the kingdom of God came after we die. I thought the kingdom of God was ushered in at Jesus' second coming. Like, we have this earthly kingdom, and then he finally comes, and then there's a heavenly kingdom. Not so! Not so! No, that's not what is going on here. Like many people today, the religious people of the first century came to the conclusion that they were living in the kingdom of this world until the great and powerful day of the Lord when redemption and judgment would happen and that would usher in God's kingdom. But what Jesus is hinting at and what we see in the rest of the New Testament is that the kingdoms actually have overlapped. Rather than the earth coming to an end and then heaven taking over, the reality is that heaven has broken through and is here right now and will continue to grow until Jesus comes back a second time and the earth is judged and eternity begins. The message of the miracles is that Jesus has come and we are invited to live in that kingdom, to be a part of it, to be a citizen of it, to be changed because of how we live. And so, the miracles in Acts 9, they're not promising us a life that is free from suffering. It's it's actually promising us that suffering and death do not and will not have the last word in our life. That's really what that's all about. It's it's about the fact that, that yes, in his first coming, Jesus put death and suffering on notice. Like, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. One of these days... And at the second coming, that's when they're going to get it. And it will be no more, as we are told in Revelation chapter 21, when John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Church, that's where our hope lies. We don't talk about heaven as much as we probably should. But heaven is afforded to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. This relationship with God that begins now in His kingdom as we live as citizens of His kingdom right now. It begins now. It will one day be consummated as we see Him face to face. The message of miracles, folks, if you choose, if God chooses to do a miracle in your life, it's not just so that you hold on to that miracle and say, look, a miracle happened. It really is to show us that God's kingdom is real, that we have a God's more powerful than suffering and disease and death. But we need to gain a different perspective on that as we read these accounts. No longer do we read these accounts and say, well, I wish I would get my miracle today as some preachers have promised people. Sure, Now, don't get me wrong. We're told that we can pray. We should pray. We do pray. We do pray for God's healing. We go to Him because we know that if there's going to be a healing, it's got to come from God. We're not wrong for praying. God does still heal. But if that's all we're seeking, then if we've reduced God down to a genie, who's supposed to come and make our life easy, and if he doesn't do that, then we're not going to believe in him anymore, then we've missed the point. Hard times will happen, folks. Life gets hard. Don't let any preacher tell you otherwise. Life isn't easy. Our reality has been fundamentally altered from the time of the fall When sin entered into the picture, hard times come. And sometimes God chooses to demonstrate His power through a miraculous healing, a miraculous intervention in our life. And when that happens, praise Jesus. But then there are times when God chooses to demonstrate His power in a different way. Not by taking us out of the storm. Making our loved one well again. Prolonging the life of someone dear to us but by walking us through the storm. And when that happens, praise Jesus. And as one of the most profound scriptures I know declares that he can be praised in the most awful situations, if you listen to the song being sung during communion, Job 13. Job says, though he slay me, I will put my hope in him. Though he slay me, I wanted my life to be like this and God chose it to be like this and even if he chooses to take me out of this world, I will hope in him. See how deep that is? Wow. I want to get there. I'm not quite there yet. I want to get there to that kind of faith. Because that's a whole nother perspective. That's a powerful, powerful hope. But until I can get here as I grow towards that, I think that there is great encouragement because there's a perspective that these physical healings actually, you know, the healing of Aeneas and the resurrecting of Tabitha, those are pictures of what God wants to do on a deeper level, on a spiritual level in the life of the disciple. And so in the midst of your struggle today, and I know some of you are, the kingdom of God is actually breaking in there as well. There's power to endure. The same power that puts strength back into Aeneas' legs can come into your life and make you strong enough to endure as well. There's power to overcome dark thoughts and sinful habits that pull you down. The same power that brought a resurrected life to Tabitha. Those are the kind of miracles that I get to see on a regular basis as your pastor. And I love being your pastor. I love serving here. And I I, I love you. And I love to see your guys' story. I see the miracle of a marriage that was once headed for the rocks just a year ago, now thriving with joy and hope. I see the miracle of a single mom judged by other people in her life, struggling to find acceptance, but then finding a connection amongst God's people here at this church in a way that brings practical help to her. I see the I see the miracle of a, a lost little girl finding that Jesus still loves her. Despite what she has done in her life. She wants to bring healing from her past hurts in such a way. That she can actually have a meaningful relationship and get married and have a normal life. See, God does miracles. But even if those, those miracles weren't there, we can still believe that God brings us hope, that this life isn't the end all be all. There's something on the other side, folks, made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not the miracles that we put our hope in, folks. It's it's the power to which those miracles point. That's where we put our hope. The kingdom has come. Are you ready to live in it? God is ready to live in it through you, through his power. Worship team, come on up. As we uh, conclude this service, I just wanted to share with you a story that I run across this week. The, the school system in this large city had a program to help kiddos who were struggling with health kind of keep up their schoolwork. They, they knew that kids landed in the hospital because of disease or some accident, or, and they would want to go into those hospitals and, and help those kids study. One, uh, one particular uh, liaison, if you will, was told by a teacher, we need you to go and visit this little boy in the hospital. Right now, our class is studying nouns and adverbs and so it would be good for you to go and help this little boy so he doesn't fall behind. Well, nobody told that liaison that this little boy had been badly burned, badly disfigured, and almost died. In fact, it was kind of on that life support system, could have gone either way. And it just seemed to be that there was no hope in the boy's life at all. The, the liaison showed up in the room and was shocked to see this badly disfigured little boy. So she was kind of stammering. I, I, I've come to teach you nouns and, and, and adverbs. And she just thought that she was totally helpless. That she didn't help at all. Next day, she got a phone call from the nurse. The nurse said, what did you do to that boy? And the, the teacher thought, I messed up big time. She started to apologize. and The nurse said, No. No, you don't know what I mean. We have been worried about this little boy. But ever since yesterday, his whole attitude changed. He's now fighting for his life. He's responding to the treatment. What did you do? He's decided to live. Well, two weeks later, the boy explained as he got better. He said, listen, they would not have sent a teacher to me to teach me nouns and adverbs if I was going to die. He knew that somebody believed in where he's going. Folks, the Holy Spirit was not sent to a people who were destined to die. The Holy Spirit was not given to us just so that we would uh, go through hard times in this life and then end our life and that's it. He is called the seal, the guarantee of our inheritance in heaven, of our salvation. And we are kept in him so that we can one day experience what has been kept in heaven for us. So as we conclude today, let me ask you, where is your hope? Is it in God showing up and doing the things you want Him to do? Is that your prayer life? Is your prayer life trying to align God's will to your desires? Or is it to try to align your desires up to His will? And to pray for the things that He would want and guide you to pray into. Is your hope in in a life full of comfort? and no pain. Believe me, that would be nice. I would enjoy that. But Jesus was clear. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, do not fear. I have overcome the world. The hope of what miracles represent should be where our hope lies. For I find that joy and selfless living flow out of a mind that's fixed on heaven. I want to pray for us right now. I want you to stand up and then we're going to conclude our service with a song if you need prayer, please don't feel like I'm telling you not to pray. We have got a prayer team that will be down here uh, waiting for you. If, if your prayer request is a little bit more sensitive, we have a prayer room that you can go into. But after we sing, while we sing, you can come on down. Uh, remember that we do have to stack the chairs just for a couple more weeks before Awana is over. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. Let me just pray for us right now. God, thank you so much for giving us your truth. A truth that goes beyond what uh, the promises are that some preachers give to people that really are not scriptural. God, life's going to be hard. And miracles sometimes will happen and sometimes they won't. But but God, I would pray that we would keep our eyes on you no matter what. Open our eyes, God. We don't want to see just the the miracle. We want to see the miracle worker. We want to see you. We want to have this relationship with you that will take us through whatever storm we, we encounter so that one day we can step into eternity with you and know that all of that stuff is going to be gone forever. So God, keep us encouraged, even during the hard times. Allow us to serve as a church that loves each other, that reaches out and, and hangs on to each other, that supports each other, prays for each other. And God, let us be able to see victories not just in the miracles, but in the way that we put our trust in you. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this day. Uh, Live through us. Live through us, please. We give our lives back to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen.